Well, hello, Christ Community Church. We are continuing our series, Both And. We've been talking about attributes of God that don't seem like they should go together, but they actually do. And so today, we've got another surprising combination to check out. Let's go see what it is. Well, you may have wanted to take up golf, but you just felt like the whole thing was too intimidating. Well, here at Village Links in Glen Ellen, they found a way to make the sport more accessible by kicking it up a notch. Let's go check it out. We're here with Noel, who's the director of golf at Village Links. Noel, tell us a little bit about foot golf and its history here. Uh, foot golf is basically a combination between golf and soccer. And um, we developed uh, a, a foot golf golf course on our nine hole golf course. There's 18 holes. Uh, we did that about two years ago and got certified by the AFGL and about to host the U.S. National Championship at the end of July. Cool. How does, how does the sport work? Like, what's the difference between it and golf? Yeah, um, very similar to golf. Uh, rules are almost identical. You try to kick the ball into the hole, which is a lot larger than a, than a, than a golf hole would be it's a, to fit the soccer ball. And your, uh, your, your goal is to kick it in in as least amount of strokes as possible. Um, so uh, it's, a, it's a very, very, very similar, and yet it's a lot of fun for adults and kids. A lot of families can play it, um, and we mix them in between. Uh, we have golfers playing one round, and then we have foot golfers maybe right behind you. So it's kind of a, it's a very easy fit for us here at Village Links. Cool. Well, that sounds fun. Let's go try it out. Well, that was a lot of fun. Today, to teach us about another surprising combination in God, we've got Pastor Shadanke Johnson, our international impact partner from Sierra Leone. He's gonna be talking about the God who gives and takes away. So when Pastor Shadanke comes out, give him a warm Christ community welcome. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. It's always a wonderful pleasure to come back home. This is home far away from home. I want to thank God for, for all of you, and I want to thank God for all our listeners and all our brothers and sisters that are all around in the different campuses. 
You know, I just want to thank you for all of you for the great work that you are doing. And I want to thank you for investing in the lives of people that, that we are lost, people that are lost, and investing their lives in prayer and with your resources. I want to thank you especially for standing with us during the time of the Ebola virus in Sierra Leone. Your prayers and your support made a tremendous difference. And I want to thank you so much. And I want you to know that you are fantastic people. You are wonderful. And you know, wherever you are, I'm just hugging you, giving you the African hug. Thank you. And God bless you. You see, one of the things is that many people pray that God come and join me in what I'm doing. God, please come and join me in what I am doing. But I want you to know that we should not be praying for God to come and join you in what you are doing. You should be praying, God, help me to discover what you are doing around the world. And when you discover what God is doing around the world, you go and join God in what God is doing. And that is what exactly Christ Community Church has done. They have prayed and they have discovered what God is doing around the world. And they are always ready to join God in what God is doing. And I want to say thank you very much for that. This morning, I want you to join me as we read from the book of Job. We are going to read Job chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 21. Job 1, 1 to 21. In the land of Uz, there, was, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters, and he owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. He was the greatest man among all the people of the East. His sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their bad days, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have seen and caused God in their hearts. This was Job's regular custom. One day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord, from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied, have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are speared throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well then, everything he has is in your power, but on the man himself do not lay a finger. Then Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking, wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen we are plowing and the donkeys we are grazing nearby, and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servant. 
I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them and they are dead. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. At this, Job got up, tore his robe and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship and said, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Father, we thank you this moment for who you are. We bless you, God, because your word is true and your word is yea and amen. We pray today that your word will have a place in the hearts and minds of your children. We pray that your word, Father, O oh Lord, will encourage, will build, will convict, and Father, will direct people that are listening to you all over God. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, your word, that will not return to you void, will never return to you void today. We thank you, Father. Use me as an oracle of your word. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Amen. All these weeks, you have been dealing with a very interesting theme. A very interesting theme that shows the contrast in the nature of God. That shows a contrast in who God is. Both and the God of surprising combination. Both and the God of surprising combination. You have been looking at God in this contrast nature. What other people would say the paradox of God. You have been looking, how can God be one and three? How can God be powerful and yet still sacrificial? How can God be demanding and gracious? How can God be a warrior and a peacemaker? You have been looking at all of this. But today we are even going to move forward and look at the same theme but with a subject. Both and the God who gives and the God who takes away. The God who gives and the God who takes away. My Bible tells me that God created the heavens and the earth. And every beauty on the face of the earth, he created it. And God put everything on this planet. And the Bible says, and God created man in his image and in his likeness. He created man and he put man to take charge, to control all the beauty of the earth. He put everything in place. And God, he made man and he designed man for accomplishments. He designed man for accomplishment. He engineered man for success. And he endowed man with seeds of greatness. But yet still, this same man is exposed to pain. He's exposed to grief. He's exposed to suffering. And he's exposed to death. Many people in their natural mind will not understand that. Many people in their natural mind don't get it. And they will not get it in their natural mind. Because no man in his natural mind can understand spiritual things. And as you read the word of God, you realize many people ask the question, how can a man, how can God who designed me, he designed me for accomplishments, he engineered me for success, he endowed me with seeds of greatness, how can that God allow pain? How can that God allow suffering? How can that God allow death? These are the questions in the minds of so many people. 
But as I said, because we ask these questions in our finite intelligence, in our natural minds, it's difficult for us to understand and have answers to them. Today, that's why I want us to go into the book of Job and look at Job chapter 1 as our main text and look at the life of the man called Job. As I looked at this life of Job, I have come to realize Job for me is my mentor. Job for me is a distinguished hero. Job is a man that for me is my life coach as I walk through the corridors of life. As I look at this man Job, and as I look at the story in the book of Job, many people realize that Job, half of Job, most of Job, the book of Job is poetry. But yet it is not a fiction. Job is a real man that lives in a real time, that experiences real trials. According to Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 14 to 20. He lived in a real time. He experienced real trials. In fact, James referred to Job as an example, an example of courage in James chapter 5, verse 11. A faithful man that was able to endure trials. That is how you realize that James was able to refer to this great man called Job. I want you to know as you read that book of Job, you find that Job had three encounters in the book of Job. In Job chapter 1 to Job chapter 2, Job had an encounter with Satan. In Job chapter 3 to Job chapter 37, Job had an encounter with his friends. In Job chapter 38 to Job chapter 42, Job had an encounter with God. But I want you to know in all of these encounters that Job had, with all of the trials that Job went through, Job never abandoned his faith. He was still steadfast with God. The friends of Job said to Job, it is because you are a sinner, that's why you are going through all of this problem. Job refuted what they said. Even though Job was impatient with himself, he was impatient with the circumstances around him. He was impatient with his friends. And Job used some difficult words. Yet still, you realize that Job spoke the truth. And his friends did not speak the truth. As we look at this life of Job, one of the things many people reading Job say is that there's one question running through the book. Why do the faithful men and women suffer? Why do godly people suffer? That is one question that runs through the book of Job. But you see, I want you to know that the theme goes even deeper than that. It goes deeper than that. Because Satan was slandering Job. He was slandering Job that, Job, you are serving God because God has blessed you. That is why you are serving God. That was the slander that Satan was slandering Job. But I want you to know, unfortunately, it is true today for so many people. So many people are serving God because God has blessed them. And I call that commercial faith. Many people say to God, God, if you bless me, I will serve you. If you bless me, I will serve you. But the question we should be asking is not a question, why do the righteous suffer? The question we should be asking, as we serve this God, does God really deserve our worship? This righteous God, do he deserve our worship and our service that we give to him? Do God have to bribe us with blessings before serving him? 
any one of us that serve God just because of the blessings that we receive, I want you to know that the shallowness of your faith will be tested with trials. When you read James chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 8, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to verse 9, if you're only serving God because God is blessing you, the shallowness of your faith will be test tested at a time of trials. As we continue to read the book of Job, we realize that this great book uses a lot of images. And I want you to know that those images, those similes and metaphors, they are used so that they will help us understand ourselves, help us understand the nature of the world, help us to understand the things around us, help us to understand life and death, and above it all, help us to understand the almighty God. In the book of Job, the word almighty is used 31 times. The word almighty. And as I re read the book of Job, I learned several things from the book of Job. And I want to share with you four basic things that I learned from the book of Job. As we look at the subjects, and, both and, God who gives and takes away. Both and, the God who gives and the God who takes away. One of the first things I learned from the book is that the Lord knows everything about us. The Lord knows everything about us. In Job chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 9. As we read Job chapter 1, 1 to 9, we'll see that Job was a wealthy man. Job was an influential man. Job was a man of integrity. Job was a man that feared God and loved God. We see in that chapter and in that verse, and God knew all of this about Job. But one of the things we realize from verse 8, we see that God was bragging about Job. God said to Satan, have you seen my servant Job? He was bragging about Job. There are times, you know, when I think about this, I realize that God is bragging about so many people. God is bragging about you. And God is saying to the heavens, have you seen my son? Have you seen my daughter? In the midst of the challenging time, God is bragging about you. God is bragging about you. We also see that the Lord knows everything. King David, in Psalm 139, verse 1 to verse 6, King David, in Psalm 139, verse 1 to verse 6, King David cried out, Lord, you have searched me. Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. You know everything about me, God. You have put a boundary around me. You have hedged me behind and in front. He said, such a knowledge is just too wonderful for me. I cannot comprehend it. It's just too powerful for me. The great King David knew that God knew everything about him. But we also realize in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, the Lord said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. You know, God knows everything. God knows the pain that you are going through. God knows the disappointment that you are going through. God knows the discouragement that you are going through. God knows everything. Both and he gives and he takes away. But yet still, he's the all-knowing God. God knows everything about you. He knows your failures. He knows your strength. He knows the times that you are hiding away from him. He sees you in the darkest of dark. He sees you. He sees everything. God knows your fears. He's an all-knowing 
God. And I want to encourage you today. Just because you are going through that corridor of difficulty, those challenging times, just because the nation is becoming chaotic, don't ever fall into the temptation thinking that your God does not know. He knows. He knows everything. The second thing I learned from this great man and this great book is that, you know, God not only knows, the Lord cares for us. The Lord cares for us. In Job chapter 1, verse 10 and verse 12, Job 10 and 12, we realize that in this book, you know, the devil, Satan was saying, you know, Lord, you have built a hedge around him and his household and everything he has. You have blessed the work of his hands so that his flocks and herds are speared throughout the land. But now stretch out your hand and strike everything he has, and it will surely cause you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, very well. Then everything he has is in your power. But on the man himself, do not lay a finger. The Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. The Lord cared about Job. Do not lay a finger on him. Do everything. You see, I want you to understand there are times even the devil do not know the future. There are times even the devil do not understand everything about you. The devil thought that by, by doing all of this with Job, Job will cost God. He said he will cost you in your face. But you see, God said, you go ahead. I care for that man. Just don't touch him. Because God knew what he was doing. He cares. Well, you see that also in Job chapter 2, verse 4. When, the, when Satan tried the first temptation, it did not work. The first persecution and trials, it did not work. He came back to God annoyed. God is because the man is, you know, he's okay. He has lost everything, but you have not touched his flesh. Touch his flesh. And you see, he said, skin for skin, Satan replied, a man will give all he has for his own life. And God said, go ahead, but don't touch his life. God cares. And we also see in Job chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible makes it, it says, blessed is the man on whom God corrects. So do not be despised. Do not despise the discipline of the Almighty. For he wounds, but he also binds up. He injures, but his hands also heal. From six calamities, he will rescue you. In seven, no harm will touch you. God surely cares about you. He cares about me. He's a God that cares. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he says that, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, whom he has called according to his purpose. God is a caring God. And in Psalm 46, verse 1 to verse 2, Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. God, he knows and he cares about you. God cares. I want you to understand that disappointment is merely the school of discovery. Disappointment is merely the school of discovery. And I want to share with you challenging times that we have gone through. You know, I want you to know that in my ministry life, in my journey with God and serving the Lord, I have been arrested six times. But I want to share with you two of the times, one of the times that, you know, during the war, the the rebels and all the Malaysians and other people were committing so much atrocities, killing people in the name of God, doing every kind of thing in the name of God. And somebody needed to stand out and talk. So I stood out. I started to talk that, you know, the God I know is a loving God. He's a kind God. You can't be doing this in the name of God. God is a merciful God. They did not like my message. 
And so therefore, they were looking for me. I kept on hiding from one place to another. One day, I was arrested. And when they arrested me, the commander was so furious with me. They tied me in such a way that my fingers could touch the back of my neck. I was in serious pain. And the commander had his boys around him with AK-47. They were just waiting for command to shoot. And he had a pistol in his hand. And the commander said to me, I am going to kill you. And when I kill you, go and tell your God you have been talking about that I killed you. He said, your God cannot do anything right now. Your God cannot come here. He cannot touch me. Your God can't do anything. And I bowed down my head in pain. And I said, God, give me the courage to talk to this commander. God, please, if this is my time to die, I'm ready to die. But please, God, I want to die with one more soul for you. One more soul for you. And then I lifted my head and I said, Commander, before you shoot me, please, I want you to do me a favor. At least, Commander, I want you to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. I said, because, Commander, God loves you. And if you accept Jesus right now as your Lord and personal Savior, and then you turn around and shoot me, I want you to know God will still forgive you. Because he's a loving God, he's a forgiving God. I said, Commander, right now as I speak to you, his hands are widely open waiting to receive you. He cares for you, Commander. God loves you. The Commander looked at me as if he was gazing into the sky. He looked at me. And then he said to his boys, untie this man. Let him go. Something is wrong with him. He's not a normal man. Untie him. <laughs> and they untied me and they let me go. Few weeks down the road, Commander came back looking for me. And he came to my hideout. And Commander said, I want to talk to you. So we went and we stood under the tree. And Commander said, the way you spoke to me, nobody has ever spoken to me that way. He said, and from that day when you spoke to me, I go to bed, I don't sleep. I keep on hearing your words. And so therefore, I've been looking for you. I want you to tell me about this man. You said to me, if I die, I will go to hell. I want to know about this man. And I want us to be friends. And that's how Commander became my friend. And I started telling Commander about the love of God. Commander surrendered his life to Jesus. He got saved and I baptized Commander and some of his boys. And today, Commander is one of the people supporting the work that we are doing. He is alive. The reason is that God knows. And God cares. He knows and he cares. And the other time, also during the process of the war, we had ECOMOG. These were peacekeeping troops. They, were, they came, we had, about, we had the largest peacekeeping troops in Sierra Leone, about 26,000. But many of them were doing the wrong thing. They are also committing some, some atrocities, taking things from people, beating people. So I started also to talk against them. I started to speak loud. And they were looking for me. So one day I was in my office with three of my disciples. And then they came, they bashed through the door, and they arrested three of us. Because they did not know me personally. They took us to the headquarters. And when we got there, these other guys, my other disciples, they were crying. And I was just looking at these people. And then I said, who are you looking for? Are you looking for Pastor Johnson? And they said, yes, we are looking for Pastor Johnson. Who is Pastor Johnson among you? I said, I'm Pastor Johnson. I said, please, these men just went to visit me. Can you please release them? And they released those disciples. That was the day I realized what Jesus went through with Peter. When Peter denied Jesus, those two disciples, they ran for their life. They didn't even look back. They just ran. And they left me there. And these guys, they took me. They threw me into the truck, a big truck, and took me to my house. 
They went into the house. They searched the house upside down. I really did not know what they were looking for. And after that, they took me again and threw me back into the truck like a bag of rice. And when I was in the truck, they said to my wife, you will never see him again. He will never come again. We are going to kill him. I managed to squeeze my head out of the truck to encourage my wife. And I said to my wife, you know, I'm coming back. They are my new best friends. I'm coming back. <laughs> and when these guys took me, they took me and they put me in a 40 feet container. These sea containers, 40 feet, no ventilation, no window. They put me in there and they shut the door. And they left. When they left, I took out my shirt and I started worshiping God, praising Him and glorifying God. I was singing. They did not like me singing in the container. And so they came and they were banging against the container. Stop singing. Stop singing. And I said, I will not stop singing until I go and meet my God. Anyway, but if you want to join me, if you want me to stop singing, come and join me in the container. And late in the evening by 7 p.m. our local time, they came and they opened the container. And they said, the commander wants to see you. So I went up to the commander. He sat down. The man looked at me and he said to me, what makes you so bold? What makes you so bold? I said, sir, do you really not want to know what makes me bold? He said, yes, I want to know. I said, sir, the Bible says he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. The commander shook his head. And he said to me, do you know that if you were in the army, you would have been promoted by now? I said, I'm in the army, sir. And he said, which army? I said, I'm in the army of the Lord, sir. And the commander laughed. And the commander said to me, I'm going to release you now. But report here first in the morning tomorrow. I said, yes, sir. And I left. When I got home, all the neighbors were there. People were still crying. When they saw me, they thought it was a ghost. I said, it's not a ghost. Look at me. Do I resemble a ghost? I am back. I told you I will come back. I am back. <laughs> Everybody was advising me, please don't go there in the morning. Please run away. Pack your bags. Run. I said, I'm not going anywhere. They told me to go back in the morning. First in the morning, I am going to go there. And so first in the morning, I went back. When the soldier saw me at the gate, he said, so you came back? I said, yes. The commander told me to come. So when I got to the commander, he looked at me and said, admire your boldness and your courage. Please, I want you, will you have the time to be coming here once a week to talk to my guys and to encourage them? I said, yes, sir, I will come. That's how I became a chaplain to the army. You see, God knew exactly that he had to put me in a container so that we come close to the army. God knows and he cares. The third thing, the third thing that as I, read, as I read the book of Job, the third thing that came to my mind is that the Lord hears us when we cry. The Lord hears us when we cry. When you read Job chapter 1 verse 20, Job 1:20 says, At this, Job got up, tore his robe, and shaved his head. Then he fell to the ground in worship. Job fell to the ground in worship. It means he was crying to God in worship. He was crying to God Almighty. We also read from Job chapter 38 verse 1 to verse 4 that the Lord spoke to Job. Because God heard the cry of Job, he now spoke to Job. And God told Job his plans. He spoke to Job. So that Job will know that he has been hearing his cry. In Job chapter 40, verse 1 to verse 5, we also see that God heard the cry of Job and his friends. We also realize in Job chapter 42, verse 7, we see that God 
was hearing the cry of Job and his friends. He heard the cry, and God came to address them. When you see the encounter in chapter 3 to chapter 37, when the friends were, were attacking Job back and forth about his sins and his life, God was hearing all of that. God heard him when he cried in chapter 1. And God heard the cry and God showed up in chapter 38 to chapter 42. God was hearing the cry of Job. Let me announce to you, God hears your cry. That pain as you are groaning, God is hearing that groaning and that pain. God hears the cry as you whisper to him in prayer. God is hearing the cry. When we had the Ebola, many people abandoned us. Many people ran away. Most of the organization, they left the country, abandoned the country and ran away. Because they thought it was not an abandoned country. You know, the prediction by many of the medical experts said, this is going to kill thousands and thousands of people. They were even saying in the next three months, in three months, this will kill up to 20,000 people. All we did was that we went on our knees. We were praying, we were fasting, we were crying out to God. Many of our medical doctors died. Many of our nurses died. Many families were wiped off. Many villages were wiped off. In less than no time. But we went on our knees. Why the outside world and the news, the international media was giving negative reports and what is going to happen, how the virus is going to relapse again. We went to God and we cried. We said, God, hear our cry. And God heard our cry, and God answered us. I want you to know that God's only pain is to be doubted. God's only pain is to be doubted. His only pleasure is to be believed. God's only pain is to be doubted. But his greatest pleasure is that we will believe him and the words that he says. You know, I want you to know that is the God. He hears our cry, and God has heard our cry many times. And God is hearing your cry as you cry. God is hearing your cry for your children, for your family. God is hearing your cry for your job and your business. God is hearing those cries. He's hearing your cry. Don't ever fall into the illusion. Don't allow the devil to fool you and say, God is not hearing you. I tell you, even the whisper you whisper, God is hearing you. God is hearing you. He had Job. He had a friend, the friends of Job, and God will hear you. And the last thing I want to share with you is that, that I learned from the book of Job is that God, the Lord, has a purpose and plan for us. The Lord has a purpose and plan for us. In Job chapter 1, verse 21, in Job 1, 21, we realize that God has, as we read Job 1, 21, he said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I would depart. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job was saying, you know, I came naked, and I'm going back naked. That is the plan and purpose of God for me. If that is the plan, good. But he praised God. He knew that God had a plan and a purpose. In Job chapter 42, we realize verse 1 to verse 3. Job 42, verse 1 to verse 3, we also see the purpose of Job. The, the Lord said to Job, I know that you can do all things. He said, no purpose of yours can be twafted. No purpose of you, God. No plan can be twafted by any man. Nothing will stop the purpose and the plan of God. You ask, who is this that obscure my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. God has a plan and a purpose. We also read from Job chapter 42. 
from verse 10, we see that God had a plan. We see from verse 12 to verse 17 that God had a purpose and plan. The Bible says, and God restored everything that Job had. God blessed Job tremendously. He increased Job. He added on the years of Job. What really encouraged me in that passage is that Job lived for 140 years, and God blessed him, and God blessed him to see his children's children to the fourth generation. And the Bible says, and Job died in a good old age. Wow. God has a plan. And I know as we went through all of the situation, we knew that God has a plan. In Jeremiah 29 verse 11, he said, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. That is the plan I have for you. God has a plan. In the midst of all what we went through, where we knew that God has a plan. In my life, I know that God has a plan. He has taken me through all the challenges, but I know he has a plan for my life. You know, one day, they text me. You know, I've received so many threats on my life. So many letters telling me we are going to kill you, we'll burn down your house, we'll kill you, we'll burn down the radio station. Because I was saying Jesus is the only way. Because I showed the love of God to so many people that, did not, that were lost, and they came to know the Lord. And many people did not like that. And so one day, they text the picture of Ben Laden to me. They put the picture of Ben Laden, and they wrote under, you are next. When I received it, I showed it to my wife, and I took it to my prayer room. And I prayed about it day and night. And then I was thinking, what, what do I need to do? And I remember that God is a loving God. So I took the picture out of Ben Laden and I put the picture of Jesus and I texted back to the same number. You are next. <laughs> you see, God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. As I conclude finally, let me read some few words that I learned. Let me read. It says, the good old days are often a combination of bad memory and good imagination. The good old days are often a combination of bad memory and a good imagination. Charles Spurgeon said, any man can sing in the day. It is easy to sing when we can read the notes by daylight. But he is skillful, he is a skillful singer who can sing when there is no ray of light by which to read. Songs in the night come only from God. They are not in the power of man. And Christopher Manley said, I had a million questions to ask God, but when I met him, they all fled my mind, and it did not seem to matter. I had a million questions to ask God, but when I met him, they all fled my mind. It did not seem to matter. I want to challenge you today. You know, and, and as we look at this God, both and, a God of surprising combination, the God who gives and the God who takes away. I want you to know, leave this place knowing that this God knows everything about you. That this God cares. That this God hears your cry. And that this God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And nothing will thwart that plan and purpose. It don't matter what happens. It will never be thwarted. If you are walking through the corridors of life right now, and you are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I want to encourage you, there is a God who knows. There is a God who cares. Even though he gives and he takes away. But that God is always with you. 
you. He will always be with you wherever you go. King David cried out, Yea, though I walk through this valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. For the Lord is with me, his rod and his staff, which comfort me. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil, my cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. I don't know what you are going through, but I want to tell you, he's a God who gives and takes, but that God is there for you. That God will stand with you, and that God will take care of you. If you believe that, let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you. God, thank you, Lord. You are greater than what people say. You are greater than what people say. You are greater than what people say. You are greater than what people say, Jehovah. You are greater than what people say. You are the King of Kings. Lord of lords, you are greater than what people say. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are greater than what people say. You are greater than what people know. You are greater than what people know. You are greater than what people know. Jehovah, you are greater than what people know. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are greater than what people know. You are the king of kings. Lord of lords, you are greater than what people know. Father, we pray this moment, you are a great God, a mighty God. A God of surprising combination. Both and who gives and takes away. But God, we know you know everything. And God, you care and you hear and you have a plan. I pray today that you will touch the life of your children. Touch their lives, Father. Those who are discouraged. Those that are going through challenging times. Those who are going through disappointment. Those who are sick. Those who are in doubt. Those who are presently confused, wanting to make a decision. I pray, Lord, that you will touch every life. You will bless them. You will show your, to, your, to them that you are God. Father God, we thank you and we bless you. Release your love. Release your blessing. Release your protection. We pray for your grace to abide in this ministry, this family, God. Father, we thank you and we bless you. All around the campuses, release your power and your love. Release your might. We thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen.